on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio, 97.7, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, what's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board today. Maybe you're listening on the ESPN app. You're still enjoying some time off the 4th of July, which, man, 4th of July in the middle of the week. I got to say, there's good parts about that, like, you know, day off, middle of the week, I'll take it. And then there's the bad parts about that, like, I woke up today thinking it was Monday. And I think the rest of us woke up today thinking it was Monday. And they're like, oh, it's Thursday, that's cool, but I still go to work for the next couple of days. That's just a weird, in the middle of the week, holiday. But we're back. Hope you had a terrific 4th of July. Do you have all your fingers and all your toes? Very good. Great to be back here after the holiday, and we're here the rest of the week. We'll be here today and tomorrow, although we will not be here Monday, and that's not Brent using July vacation days. Both the Mets and the Yankees have double headers on Monday, so uh, we will not be here Monday, but here today and Friday. Glad to be here. If you're listening on the ESPN app, that is awesome because you can take us with you wherever you go. Just download the ESPN app. Find the Listen tab, find ESPN Syracuse or ESPN Radio Utica Rome, and off you go. Here's how you get in touch with the show today, 437-7644. That's the phone number. You can always tweet me, Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media, where the show never stops, or the On the Block text line. Another great way to get in touch with the program. You got your face in your phone. You might as well fire off a hot take or two at us, right? 288-0644. That's hot. Is the text line. Two guests joining us today. Two Johns joining the program today. Dear John, I'm joining Brent Dax on the radio today. One John is right here in this hour of the program. He's a former West Genesee and Syracuse lacrosse goaltender. He is now the head coach at Jacksonville, building a lacrosse program in the state of Florida and will be one of the goalies for Team USA in the upcoming World Lacrosse Championships. John Galloway is going to join the program here right here in this hour in about 15 minutes. Lots to talk about with John, including the World Games coming up, where they are, the growth of the sport, John being a West Genesee grad. Certainly, I'm, I think we'll have thoughts on the departure of Mike Masser, where the sport is today. There's a lot to get into. There was a really interesting story on Syracuse.com today that we're going to get into about how Syracuse ranks in the top six schools in the country in terms of 
to bear it down for you, ESPN did this study about the schools that get the most athletes drafted in certain sports, and thanks to a big boost from lacrosse, Syracuse fits in the top six in that category. So as a guy who has spent a fair amount of time in Major League Lacrosse, I'm sure John Galloway can shine a light on that. A lot to get into with John, and we will do that here in this hour of the program. Get some good media lacrosse talk in. In the next hour of the show, you know, slowly but surely here in the summertime, we start to, as I like to call it, it's list season, it's preview season, and we're getting closer to college football and we're going to start to integrate more college football talk, Syracuse football talk into the summer as we go here. We don't want to do too much at you know, at once because we want to save the good stuff when we get closer to the season, right? But as it comes, we will discuss it. And our buddy John Casillo from NoonsMagician.com started rolling out some Syracuse football preview stuff today. So we will do that with John. We'll hone in on the quarterbacks and kind of those developing storylines that we will hear, because I think that's really danger is a strong word, but, you know, the the harm in list and preview season is you start to talk yourself into a certain narrative. That's fine. Fans should have expectations. Fans should have certain beliefs. And I think Syracuse football fans are just kind of at the point where, like, get me a bowl game. Anyway, anyhow you can, just get me a bowl game, and I'll be a happy camper this year. Dino is by no means on the hot seat with that expectation. Thanks, Brent. Thank you, Coach. That being said, I think Syracuse football fans are looking for a tangible step forward in the wind department this year because they've pretty much checked every other box. So we will do that with John Casillo, our buddy from NoonsMagician.com, later in the show. Every year around the 4th of July, I like to take a step back and devote a segment or two of radio to kind of looking at that ever-present question, what is America's game? What is America's sport? And I think here in the summertime, just past the 4th of July, is always a good time to examine that. So we'll do that later in the program. Hot takes as usual coming up. But speaking of hot takes, boy, were they flowing. Now, this is one thing that carries over from when we were off the past couple of days for the 4th of July holiday. But I just had to discuss here briefly because... I love social media, and I hate social media at the ha- at the same time. I was not on Twitter that much during my two days off. You know, off days tend to be off days for me, and sometimes you're just sitting around, especially on really hot days, and you're just kind of chilling in the air conditioning, quite literally in that sense. It's natural for people to grab their phones and just kind of thumb around through Facebook and Twitter and, oh, look, fireworks videos. And, you know, this just in, your dog doesn't like fireworks. We get it. You know, it would be relevant if your dog does like fireworks. Okay, post about that. Give me an Instagram photo on that. Give me a photo on that. Hey, my dog likes fireworks. We get it. Your dog doesn't like fireworks. Anyway, can you tell that's what my social media feeds were full with, including Paulie posting pictures of his dog riding out the fireworks storm. Thank you. I'm not aware that dogs don't like you know, a succession of loud noises. What a shocker. Anyway, I feel better about that. But here's something else I got to get off my chest. So Boogie Cousins signs with the Golden State Warriors. And Twitter freaks out. And sports fans freak out. Didn't you have to be on social media? That the season is over and, you know, there were funny memes going around. I did laugh at a few, don't get me wrong, of Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, 
in a Warriors jersey, right? Adam Silver has signed Boogie Cousins, and then all the jokes started flowing in. So this is the beauty of social media, right? Tom Brady has stepped down from the New England Patriots and will sign with the Golden State Warriors. Joey Chestnut, he of record-setting hot dog fame once again, has decided to sign with the Golden State Warriors, and, you know, it was just fill-in-the-blank stuff throughout. It was just on a tee for people to make the highly successful person signs with the Golden State Warriors joke. And I did laugh at some of them, but there were some people, and look, sports opinions are what they are. I'm not saying you have to agree with me here, but this comes as a shock to you that really good teams sign really good players like the Golden State Warriors lose in a seventh game to the Cleveland Cavaliers in a series. At one point, they had a 3-1 lead. Thanks to Draymond Green kicking dudes in the groin, he sits out Game 5, gives Cleveland just enough to get back in. We get an epic Game 7 with one of the most iconic plays in the history of the league, one of the most iconic Game 7s in the history of the league with LeBron James block shot in that series, Kyrie Irving going crazy in Game 7. And that was an epic finals, just epic in 2016, hence the storyline of Cleveland winning their first NBA championship and bringing their first title to that city in a long time and yada, yada, yada. You know the story, right? Golden State responds to that by signing Kevin Durant, to which people call Durant a number of things, a sellout and all sorts of things. And at the time, I was on the radio saying, so what you're telling me is you're mad at the Golden State Warriors for doing everything they can within the rules to make themselves an attractive place to go for one of the best players in the league because he wants to win a championship. He wants to get away from a situation in Oklahoma City that it may or may not have worked out. You're still with Russ, and they brought in Paul George, and that is one of the smartest front offices in the league that they're going to pay a heavy, heavy luxury tax coming up here. But they're going to buy out Mello, and you know they just spent a big chunk of money on Jeremy Grant. And, I mean, look, Oklahoma City just finds a way to stay in the conversation. They are not going to beat Golden State, Houston, or now the Lakers with LeBron in tow. But, you know, you've got to stay relevant when you've got an NBA basketball franchise in Oklahoma City, and they do it, and they do it well. But Durant goes from there to Golden State, and people just freak out. And I'm like, okay, well, what did they do wrong here? They did nothing wrong. They built a super team. That's what you do in the league. You look at yourself and you say, how do we get better? even as the team that is making you know consecutive NBA Finals and is a prohibitive favorite to win this thing every year. So here in this offseason, coming off a title, did you expect the Golden State Warriors to say, you know what, we're pretty good. We've won two consecutive championships. We've been in the Finals a number of years, four straight years. We are one of the best dynasties in all professional sports now. I think we're satisfied where we stand in life. Let's start giving back. Because the NBA cares. Let's start giving players away to the unfortunate teams in the league. We don't really need Clay Thompson. What do you say we send him to somebody who needs him? Hey, the Knicks could use some players. Why don't we send him there? The Eastern Conference can use some guys. Why don't we give back? You know, we've achieved so much. 
it's time for us to give back. Of course they don't do that. I said, how do we get better? Boogie Cousins, coming off a ACL injury, and he's Boogie Cousins. There's a lot of baggage that comes with Boogie. Beginning of NBA free agency and the, you know, the joke that is the, what do they call it, the legal tampering period. Just, that thing's just got to go away. It's just ridiculous. But, you know, there are 29 other teams in the league that could have inquired or signed Boogie, including the team he was on or the Lakers or other teams that eat him. They didn't. Golden State did. Boogie got in touch with Golden State. Hey, I'm available. They said, hey, we got room. Here's a $5 million deal. Boom. So people, of course, start complaining about the inevitability of the NBA season, to which I said, you're all hypocrites. Because parity does not work in the NBA. It works in other sports. But do not tell me you're rooting for parity. This is a sport where the let, let's just look at and again stats can be used to make your argument sound bigger stronger and better and i'm going to do that in this case do you know that the lakers and celtics have won 33 of 72 nba titles now maybe if twitter and social media were around in the height of the lakers celtics rivalry people would send their ridiculous tweets about the inevitability of either one of those teams going to and winning the NBA Finals. Because I was so tired of watching the Celtics and Lakers go at it. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, and Larry Bird, and Robert Parrish, and Kevin McHale, and those great rivalries that produced some of the best basketball we've ever seen. Yeah, I was really tired of that. Because I would have rather have seen different teams every year. I think the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, got boned in that era. Really wanted to see them get there. Now, the Lakers and Celtics had the, the smartest front offices, the best coaches, brought in the best players, and kept going there for a reason. Now, let's take that stat a step further. There are five teams, five, in the history of the league that have won 50 of 72 titles. Now, some could look at that and say, well, that's what's wrong with the NBA. I look at it and say, that's what's right about the NBA. The NBA is not the National Football League. Parity works in the NFL. It is structured to a point where a Buffalo Bills fan can go into this season and as foolhardy as this may be, and I'm a Bills fan so I can say that, they believe they can get to the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. Every football fan has hope. That's not the case in the NBA. And the teams that have put themselves in position to do this should not be punished and should not be mocked for doing it. And don't tell me it's inevitable and the league is boring. If you think the NBA is boring because we know who's going to be there, well, I offer you the New England Patriots. Yes, in that mighty league where parity rules and anybody can win, who's always in the freaking Super Bowl? The Patriots. Even they have found a way. Why? Because Belichick's smarter than everybody. Because Tom Brady's better than everybody. And they've done that where, you know, Name me Tom Brady's receivers every year. It's always a pop quiz that you kind of have to step back and say, oh, wait a minute, well, he's hurt and he's gone and he went there. Is Edelman playing this year? Is Gronk healthy? Like, you have to remind yourself who the receivers are. So even in a league that fuels itself on parity, right? And people looked at hockey this year and said, hey, look at hockey. The Vegas Golden Knights. 
got in parody, right? No, they got in because George McPhee's a hell of a general manager and took advantage of a pretty unique situation. And the team that won was a great story, but the Capitals won the cup about 10 years too late. The Capitals have the best player in the National Hockey League, arguably. You can throw in Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby and a number of players in there, but one of the best goal scorers of our generation. That's not a story of parody. That's just unexpected because the Caps did it in a year where they weren't predicted to do it. So that's a great story because it wasn't inevitable that they won. People were not saying back in October when the hockey season started that, they might as well not even play this thing because the Caps are going to win the Cup. So people do like these stories. But that does not work in the NBA. And don't tell me that's what you want because you are lying through your stinking teeth if you want the Milwaukee Bucks and the Sacramento Kings in the NBA Finals. And even Milwaukee is somewhat relevant these days because they have, you know, Greek freak. They have Giannis. So this, to me, is the bane of social media. It just misery flows in there. How dare the Golden State Warriors make themselves even better? And by the way, Boogie can't even play till what, January? And who knows what he comes back as and how healthy he'll be. And maybe by the time he gets in the flow of things, it'll be the playoffs and Golden State will have yet another weapon to make it through the postseason. To which I say, good for them. Don't be mad because Golden State is smarter than your team and smarter than your GM and has put themselves in a position to do that. Just don't understand. People are full of it when they say this is not what they want. And if you think it's boring and it's inevitable because they're going to win the title, Houston almost beat Golden State this year. Golden State did not put it on cruise control and just sail to the title. They did over Cleveland because that Cleveland team wasn't going to win. They almost got clipped by the Rockets. Had Chris Paul been healthy, and you could play the what-if game all day, but had Chris Paul been healthy, the Rockets may have won that series. There are contenders. There are challengers out there. On that note, we've got to take a break. We can come back to this discussion for sure. 437-7644 is the number. We're going to change gears a little bit next segment. As suggested by an on-the-block listener and a darn good suggestion, We're going to talk some lacrosse coming up because there's a big event coming up that our next guest is playing in. Plus, it'll be great to catch up with him. Former West Jenny and Syracuse lacrosse goalie John Galloway coming up. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Moose out front should have told you. Let's get to it, shall we? We've got a fancy open for it and everything. It's hot take time, baby. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. Thanks again to John Galloway, by the way, for joining us on the Pick and Pull of Auburn Auto Parts and Recycling Center Hotline. We will speak with John Casillo from NoonsMagician.com next hour on that same hotline. Get the SU Football Preview Talk 
rolling a little bit. Hot take time now, though, and uh, we saw this today. Conor McGregor's coach says, by the way, I didn't know Conor McGregor had a coach. I didn't know these things. I didn't know UFC people had coaches. I knew they had trainers and people on their team. I knew they had, like, coaches. Uh, He says that negotiations are ongoing for a return to UFC. McGregor hasn't fought in MMA since he became a two-weight champion in November of 2016. It is July of 2018. Now, of course, the last time we saw Conor McGregor was when he was throwing a chair through a bus in an attempt to say, hey, we're not like WWE, but we kind of are. The last time we saw him in a ring, of course, was the big Floyd Mayweather fight, which was great, which was smart, which was an excuse for us to all go to Mr. Krabs' house and have a great party, which was awesome. But I remember saying at the time, like the really weird position that McGregor, MMA, and boxing were in, like they all really needed each other. You know, boxing does have some... How can I put this? It does have a corner of the sports world today where people watch and they get the pay-per-views and it's doing better than you think, but it's nowhere near mainstream. It is nowhere near as successful as it used to be. And it took that kind of event to bring in what I will constantly remind you on this show is what makes you mainstream and gets you over the top. It's the fair weather fans. It's the mom test, right? My mother has to know who you are and what you do for you to truly be mainstream. The Fairweather, in Syracuse, we call them the Fairweather 10,000, right? Those 10,000 fans that show up because it's something to do. There's a buzz. It's exciting. It's the, it's those that last percentage of people you bring in that normally wouldn't pay attention to you. In kind of outside of Central New York discussion, it's the Fairweather 10%. You're bringing in 10% of people that, you know, wouldn't watch a fight, but McGregor fights Mayweather and they're bought in to believe this is a reason to have a party and drink and, you know, watch something unique, then they're in. The last time McGregor fought in a UFC event was November of 2016. Ronda Rousey was the other big star. She's now in WWE. And again, MMA is still popular. There is still a fiercely loyal audience that watches it, that buys the pay-per-views, that knows who the up-and-coming fighters are. But in order for you, see, here's why I bring this up. Remember, recently, and I might get electric shocks under the desk from Bristol here, but Fox outmaneuvered ESPN, in my opinion, recently by committing, and we could play the clip and be right here, billion dollars to WWE. And they're going to put it on Friday night and they're going to they're going to market the hell out of that. And not that WWE needs the marketing because it is mainstream and it may or may not be in my top five most popular American sporting event slash entertainment discussion later in the show, right? Because you can't call it a sport. It's not a sport. And don't be offended by that, wrestling fans, because I think you know that. It's sports entertainment. But in terms of what sports fans that are looking for both consume, WWE is more popular than MMA, although MMA has had its peaks and has had its mainstream moments. McGregor, and I have, will always tell you on the show, and this is just good advice for life, too, but when you have leverage, use it. And McGregor's got a hell of a lot of leverage on Dana White right now. So to go back to ESPN and Fox, ESPN committed billion dollars to MMA because they can feed a lot of these fights and kind of hit that audience that is there consistently. 
on ESPN Plus and all some of these things that they're trying to, to get subscriptions for. Fox committed to wrestling, and I think Fox is going to win this because say all you want about wrestling. Every Monday, raw, huge audience. We're talking not only huge, but a consistent and loyal. And it's hard to get that kind of loyalty to live television programming these days. Look at the ratings for Raw and SmackDown. It is consistent. It is big. It has its peaks and valleys depending on what pay-per-views are coming up and, you know, everything goes up and down. But that is one of the most fiercely loyal and consistent audiences in all of television, let alone sports slash sports entertainment. MMA is so dependent on guys like Conor McGregor and big names like Ronda Rousey that when they're not there, yes, there's a consistent loyal audience that's there, but it's they are so much more dependent on the big stars bringing in that extra 10% and selling those pay-per-views and being mainstream. Wrestling is always mainstream. MMA isn't always mainstream. So to hear that they're in negotiations for a return to UFC, I'm going to be as curious as anybody what Dana White puts out there to get McGregor back. Because he was pretty critical, of, and he should have been, by the way, of McGregor's behavior, of you know throwing a, what was that, a stool or something through a bus. And, you know, man, you want to talk about something that's just right out of a bad sports movie script, how quickly McGregor rose and all the money that he made. And it's almost like, remember that great VH1 show, Behind the Music? Like, we're seeing the behind the music of Conor McGregor and now his return to the mainstream. That's hot. What the numbers will be, what those negotiations are like, are going to be very interesting to me. They say they're working on a potential matchup with undefeated champion. And here's the part where Brent attempts to say this name. Khabib Nurmagomedov? Did I I get that? Is that? I don't even know. I don't even know. Like, am I right? That is correct. I have no idea. But anyway, he's 26-0 and they're trying to get McGregor to fight him. MMA fans know who he, they, who he is, and they're rolling their eyes at me for mispronouncing that. But that 10% I'm talking about, the mainstream people out there, like, who? Huh? By the way, McGregor is currently facing legal issues in New York stemming from that incident in April where he attacked a bus in Brooklyn. Because we're not like wrestling. No. Joey Chestnut won the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, as you know. He had a world record 74 hot dogs in 10 minutes. But because everything needs controversy these days, they weren't sure if he actually did eat 74. They thought he ate 64, but then they realized, because the insanity of this is what it is, like they missed a plate, and Darren Ravel of Twitter fame and ESPN business fame, and I like Darren Ravel. And then sometimes Darren Ravel makes me want to take my phone and throw it in the pool. When he tweets things like, the hot dog contest is too big now. Can't have hand counters. Need electric tonsil monitors for accuracy. And I know he's joking there, but there were tweets that he sent out and there were lines that he had about Here it is right here. As I said, electric counters need to be brought into competitive eating. I love the sport, but today was a massive black eye. I mean, where do I even start?
start with that. Okay, first of all, it's not a sport. It's a freak show event that happens every 4th of July, which I watch, by the way, all right? I'm not, I'm not ripping it, but this is the midway at the New York State Fair. This is, you know, the old rolling circus that used to come into town. It is not a sport. You can call it competitive, whatever you want. Do not call it a sport. And the fact that anything like this could be deemed that they miscounted how many hot dogs he ate, a massive black eye to who? That loyal audience of competitive eaters? Now, again, mainstream, right? People watch. It's like the Kentucky Derby. They watch it every year because it doesn't take a lot of time. You don't have to know a lot about it. It's just, okay, which horse wins? And with competitive eating, there are freaks that will bet on this stuff. But usually the hook for an event that draws a mainstream audience, outside of a great thing like MMA and and Conor McGregor-type storylines, as I just brought up, is can I win money on this? I mean, you can bet on the competitive eating hot dog championship, right? There's an over-under for it. You can win money on this. But it's just one of those things that people are drawn into as disgusted as they are by. Because every year he sets a record. Is that Joey Chestnut guy going to win again? But a black eye according to who? In a, it's not a sport. Just be, And here come the electric shocks again. Just because they put it on ESPN does not make it a sport. There is the word entertainment in those four letters, right? Again, I'm not mocking it because I watch it. Do go sport. And don't say they need electric monitoring because they put a black eye on He's eating freaking hot dogs. Who walked away from that thing? The integrity of this event is in peril. We need electric monitoring to see how many tubes of meat and hot dog buns this man can stuff down his throat in a 10-minute span. I will not stand for this on America's birthday. No, I will not. Yay, democracy. There's a black eye on the sport, the air quote sport. Now I just that's just dumb. Speaking of which, I can tell you coming up something that's never happened in my. Let's see. God bless you, people, for putting up with me this long. So I have been doing sports radio in Central New York since 2002 here, since 1996, if you include my days in Utica. And I could say we've honestly never made this choice voluntarily, but we're going to today. So Seth and I are going to do something in a few minutes we've never done before because we got nothing. And I'll explain what I mean by that coming up. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. Welcome back from the 4th of July. Welcome back to the show. Maybe you're still enjoying some time off this week. God bless you if you are. We're glad you're here one way or the other. On the Block is presented by Burdick Toyota. John Casillo coming up this hour. Our buddy from NewsMagician.com. Get some SU football preview talk rolling. My annual kind of overview of what is America's sport. I think we know the answer to that. But uh, my list changes every year. And that kind of shows the growing and changing dynamic of American sports. We will get to that. If you missed our 
conversation with former West Genesee and Syracuse University goalie John Galloway, who will be representing Team USA in the World Lacrosse Championships starting next week. We'll put that up at ESPNSyracuse.com in the audio vault. So this story that I saw today I think is great for Syracuse University. It's something you kind of put in the pamphlet to promote the school. But I think Syracuse is in an interesting spot in doing so. And I think this is that tricky spot we're in, in when we emphasize the term student-athlete, right, and the opportunities that are there for a student-athlete. Now, what we are best known for as fans in rooting for the teams that we do, particularly the college teams that we do, are the mainstream players, the guys that go on to the National Football League from football. They go on to the NBA from college basketball. There is a big catch-up in the WNBA department. You know, Brittany Sykes and uh, players of you know recent years that have gone on to the WNBA. Those are the players who remember. Those are the people we identify with. They're always the best players that played here, right? Derek Coleman, number one overall draft pick. Donovan McNabb, number two overall draft pick, right? The best players that go on to the pros. But as NCAA PSAs have told me for years, and they are right to say, a vast majority of our, quote, student athletes do not go on to be professional athletes. They go on to be pros in another walk of life. Which brings me to this. As Chris Carlson writes here on Syracuse.com, the Syracuse Athletic Department ranks sixth in the country in its ability to get athletes drafted over the past decade according to a project put together by ESPN. So what ESPN did is they did something called the Ultimate Draft Rank, where they measured every athletic department's ability to get athletes drafted across eight different sports, and they looked at the last 10 years. North Carolina, Maryland, Duke, Kentucky, Notre Dame, Syracuse. That is the top six, and that is an impressive list to be on. The project used a point system in order to rank schools, and you can look at ESPN's story and kind of see the methodology, but basically, during the period covered, which was 2009 to 2018, Syracuse ranked number two in players selected by Major League Lacrosse with 34. Only Maryland, with 40, had more. Syracuse's basketball program ranked sixth in the country with 14 draft picks, including a six-year stretch in which Syracuse developed a first-round NBA pick every year. That streak, of course, ended this year and would have ended had Tyus Battle been in the draft, in my opinion, because I think he would have fallen to the second round. So they looked at NBA, WNBA, Major League Lacrosse, MLS, and NFL. We just talked to one of the best players in MLS the other day, Alex Bono from Baldwinsville, now with Toronto FC, also in the audio vault at ESPNSyracuse.com, so check that out. This is really good news for your athletic department, but I think it puts you in an interesting spot. Now, when you go through the Syracuse Hall of Fame wing for football, not only do they highlight All-Americans and accomplishments of the football team that need to be highlighted, Heisman Trophies, Sugar Bowls, Bowl Games, they highlight players that have gone on to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and Syracuse University has I believe a top five representation there as well. I mean, you have the greatest football player of all time that went here. You need to promote that, right? Recent NFL draft picks and players 
that have made a mark in the league and have stayed in the league. Like, you want to promote that. You need to attract athletes that are of professional caliber and see you as a avenue to get there. But you also need to attract athletes and promote the sports that do not necessarily send players on to professional leagues or even within those sports, knowing that the vast majority of them will not play professionally from that sport. So maybe it's not something you put in, you know, the main Syracuse University pamphlet, but it is something that, and they don't even use pamphlets anymore, right? Online, wherever, Instagram. I don't know, something modern, but it's something that you certainly want to slip into that conversation whenever possible. Oh, said athlete who is good enough to play professionally, did you know that we're in the top six in the country in doing that? Now, again, lacrosse gives you a big boost there. Football needs to play catch-up because, you know, the only draft pick of note in recent years is Riley Dixon, and God bless Riley Dixon, the mighty Riley Dixon for Heisman, as our friends at Noon's Magician would write about often, and we'll talk to John Casillo coming up in about 10 minutes here about that. But, you know, football... They're in a bit of a down cycle there. Basketball has been as consistent as ever, and you know that came to a halt this year. Tyus uh, Battle would have been picked this year had he gone in the draft, probably not to the second round, but that's a consistent stream of draft picks, which you have to show the top-flight athletes out there, the four- and five-star guys, that this is an avenue that will get you to where you want to go. But you also have to show that this is a school where there's a school and, and sports – is something that's great, but there's a school here, too, that will lead you on to the path in life you need to go. On that note, because it is list season out there in the sports world, Pat Forty did his annual ranking of all 65 Power 5 schools in overall athletic success. And no, this is not a rehash of what is that thing they have, the 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 Director's Cup or whatever that thing. It's not the Galaxy Cup, I know that. It's that thing that only Daryl Gross cared about, right? That they put all the schools together and rank on whatever that thing is. It's, this is not that. So if you are measuring overall athletic success, top to bottom, all the programs, ranking all 65 Power 5 schools, where would Syracuse fall there? According to Pat Forty, they're number 40. Saying this, top 2017-18 sport, men's indoor track, trajectory steady. After vaulting up to 21st in 2016, the Orange have returned to their more natural surroundings. 44th last year, 46th this year. Syracuse is well ahead of the surprisingly large lower class of the ACC, but still a long way from competing with the top tier of the conference, and we all know what tilts the scales there. Football's got to get better consistently, get back in bowl games and get back in that conversation, and get back in the AP poll. Then you tilt that even higher. Still impressive, still something of note, still something that you want to say, hey, pretty good. And by the way, they have, you know, Justin Knight, one of the best track athletes, not only in the country, but potentially in the world, and a lot of individuals that did great things that we talked about through the year. But, you know, look, this comes back to one thing. Football's got to get back. Football has got to get back mainstream, and they've done a lot of things to kind of show they're on the way in the past couple of years, notably beating Clemson and beating Virginia Tech. But you got to show in year three, like, now you're not just 
getting that flash in the pan win, you're winning consistently and winning six games. Getting back to bowl games, can they do that? Something our next guest can certainly speak to. John Casillo, NoonsMagician.com, starting to roll out his football previews on Noons Magician. Today was the more important of the discussions, that being the quarterbacks. So we'll start there and look at kind of the off-season narratives that are building about Syracuse football because it is list and magazine season, right? That's your Phil Steele college football preview. You're reading lists like the ones that I just cited. And before you know it, football season will be here. So we'll talk to John about that coming up. You are on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.